and welcome to episode 10 of the Inside Track with me, Susan Egglestaff, and as always, Ailey Doyle. And uh, happy birthday for the other day, Ailey. Have you recovered from all your birthday celebrations? Thank you. Well, I didn't really have much celebrations. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was away. I was away in uh, Glasgow doing a, an appearance at Spar, the shop um, through there for World Indoor stuff. But they were really You're nice, so actually. You're so fancy. You're so fancy. Well, they made me a cake and everything like that. They kind of got word was out. Because when I got there, they were like, hi, happy birthday. I was like, I told anyone it was my birthday. <laughs> yeah. Then there was this beautiful big cake with my face on it. And when I was, <laughs> was a shot from, I think, tw- from the World Champs in 20, World Indoor Champs from 2018. So, uh, yeah. So there you go. So it was a nice cake. <laughs> And, um, but yeah, it was a busy weekend for um, athletics-wise with the British Indoor Champs. And it was a pretty successful few days for the Scots. How much of it did you manage to watch? Because there were some good races. Yeah, I watched. I, I didn't watch. The only things I watched live were the Women's 400 final and kind of everything that was after that. So I think that was then the 1500s and the 800s. Um, uh, so I, I went back and kind of caught up with everything properly afterwards. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was actually a really good champs. So you're always a bit wary with... Well, not wary, but British well, Indoor sometimes... You know, the summer events could be quite flat because maybe, you know, a couple of the big athletes decide not to do it. And I think sometimes there's events if you lose maybe one big athlete, then like the the depth's not as as great. Mm-hmm. But actually, I thought all events were really good. There's a good turnout, some really good battles. Um, and then obviously really positive um, for the majority of Scots because, um, you know, there was uh, good performances there. And, and obviously we've got a few of them in the, the team for the World Indoors. And yeah, well, we'll start with Laura Muir because she won gold in the 3,000 metres with a really, really dominant run, 8 minutes, 58.8. And I mean, what did you think of her? Were you impressed? She looked pretty strong. Yeah, I mean, almost what you expect to to see from Laura, I think. It's almost like standard standard Laura, Um, you know, and she kind of waited till that last that last 400 cranked it up and that was her. She was on her way. So yeah, really positive performance, a really good performance. And I think... I'm not sure. I'm not seeing the final entries, but I think she'll she'll either be the top athlete or or I think second best going into the the world indoors. I would reckon. So she'll definitely be 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 looking to get on that podium at the very very least. But I think she'll be looking to try and claim that first global title. I would I would imagine going to world indoors. Well, that's yeah. It's been a kind of couple of good weeks for Laura because uh, just before the British champs, she did the Melrose Games, which she won as well, and over in New York and. You know, I always feel like the indoors, as much as, you know, athletes don't put too much stock on it, it's always, it does always give you a wee into, window into what kind of shape they're in. And actually, just yeah. before the Melrose Games, I did a big interview with Laura for the Herald. And it was really interesting. She was saying, and obviously, you know, as we've talked about, she had the kind of big disruption last year with splitting with her coach, Andy Young. And she said, probably the most interesting thing I thought she saw, she said was, basically, her training has changed completely since, you know, from when she was training Randy, she was like basically everything she does now is different from what she did before. And it's kind of very much more kind of quality over quantity. And, you know, she doesn't just try to like flog herself into the ground anymore every session, which maybe was kind of more the philosophy before. And, you know, it's, I mean, I guess we'll tell more in summer if it's actually paying off or not. But certainly for indoors, it looks like she's looking really strong and it does look like, you know, it looks like she's sharp and it looks like she's strong, which... For the 1500 in the summer, she's going to need to be strong. You know, you can't just be fast. She'll, she's going to need that endurance as well, which I assume is why she's doing longer distances for indoors. Yeah. Do you know, I found that really interesting because I read that article as well. And I thought when she said that she'd changed everything, I thought that's a really bold and a really kind of, yeah, unusual move at that stage in her, like, you know, in your career, especially for somebody who has 
that's had such longevity and such success as well like at that point you kind of know what works for you and you know what what your strengths are and what you, and mm-hmm. I remember um when I left Malcolm to then go and uh, be coached by Brian they were two and different like, coaches been, how long had you been with Malcolm Arnold it was I'd a good been years with, and then... yeah I'd been with Malcolm since I think I, I joined Malcolm in 2010 and then he officially kind of Brian officially kind of took over the 2017 season so yeah so seven years um and we kind of knew at that point I was just about to turn 30 um, and we kind of knew roughly what worked for me knew what I was good at and and Brian trained me differently to how Malcolm trained me but ultimately we we we, we used the same kind of what's the word maybe not method but we we knew what my strengths were and we knew what I was good at and we kind of built on that but just we just did it in different ways so I'm really I, I'm really kind of intrigued to, to know how differently she's changed it like what is what have they done I wonder if there's part of it that thinks that you know, our power of her that thinks that, you know, the way the women's 1500 metres is going, if she just keeps doing the same as what she's doing, she's probably not going to win an Olympic medal. And the event is moving on so quickly that, okay, is, and of course it's a risk changing things in Olympic year. Like, that's always going to be a risk. But is it potentially actually less of a risk than just hoping that doing what she's doing is going to be enough? You know, certainly, like, the early signs are pretty good. She certainly didn't look any worse than she's ever looked indoors. And, I mean, Laura's bright. Laura knows what she's doing. So, I guess there's no kind of better judge of it than her. But she did. She said she really had to kind of train herself to not go and just kill herself every session. Right. I mean, that's like, <laughs> it's a skill as well, isn't it? It's not just go, when you're so used to just going and giving everything like emptying yourself every single session it actually is a skill as well knowing when to recover and when yeah. to kind of just hold back a wee bit and that's a massive part as well as you get older in your career as well and without maybe two ages you know it's you have to sort of then think about it when you're getting that bit older you're you're more susceptible to wee niggles here and there so mm-hmm. actually less less is more you don't need to mm-hmm. be having it like you do in your early 20s and, and get that mm-hmm. mileage in and get the, those winters behind you and actually the recovery is is probably more important at that stage it's I think we've seen that with the indoor season that she's done here as well that she's not done a, a you know she's not doubling up she's not doing loads and loads mm-hmm. of races i think she's racing like three times in total uh, the Melrose games the trials and um and the champs itself so yeah she's i think that's i think that's sensible i think that's the wise thing to do I, I obviously we see how that pays off for first of all the world indoors um and then obviously the, the summer season but yeah i think you're totally bang on the money with the the fact that yeah why why keep going the way you're going when you know you need to do something different to be able to challenge these girls and yes it is a risk but really do you want to be looking back on your career and saying i only just maybe tried that you know and mm-hmm. she's got she's got her olympic medal she's got a world medal you know she's got european she's got Commonwealth medal she's got her collection of medals so you know if you really want to then say well actually the next thing i need to get is a is a gold is a, is a title then you need to make those those changes and yeah well, only time will tell whether they pay off or not but i think yeah it's the probably the most sensible thing to do because why just keep going and knowing that you know i'll knock out maybe 355 357s but actually looking at the the state of play now those times might necessarily get you on the podium anymore and um you know and you need to have that extra extra gear i mean i'm talking here but i mean i, I just can't see beyond faith can you go do you know what i mean like no, I whatever you do um but at least try and get as close as you can and try and try and you know give a great account of yourself and another gold medalist for scotland at the british champs was Gemma Rike, who so she won gold in the 800 
and a really, really impressive run, a championship record of 158.24. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, she was looking really great. I mean, Gemma's another one who had a lot of disruption last year, also spotting with Andy Young. And I mean, Gemma's looking really, really strong so far this season. What did you make of her? Because she just powered away in the kind of closing stages of that 800 metres. Yeah, I think that was my favourite performance actually of the weekend was that race in, uh, with Gemma and with Erin. I think Erin Wallace in that race as well, another Scottish athlete. I think the way she set the race up really suited Gemma as well like it almost like she set it up so Gemma didn't need to be the one to sort of take it out and she worked really hard and then it just showed Gemma's strength you know that last kind of 200 400 for her to just again sort of a bit like Laura just put that foot down and then really finish strong and, and what I saw with Gemma there was just the fact that she's just oozing that confidence you know she's just yeah. she's able to kind of you know she's not controlling that race Erin took that race on but she was very in control of where she was in the race the whole time so she was able to make her move when she needed to um and 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 put in that performance and it was a you know a championship best best time as well and and that's the sort of thing she'll need to be ready to do come the rounds at, at the world indoors i think you know just getting to that final itself uh you know she can go for it in the final but actually negotiating the rounds especially indoors when it's tighter when there's more you know argy bargy in it um the fact that she's kind of confident in where she is and that's given her another sort of you know, a couple of rounds in her legs, a couple of other experiences of, you know, how the race is going to be run. Um, I think, yeah, I think she should go into this champs really confident and, and yeah, be brilliant to get Gemma on the podium as well. I think that would be really great for her just to go into summer season and have her first um, major medal. And what did you make it make of the men's 800 metres? Guy Learman was second. He was pipped by one thousandth of a second by Jack Higgins. They were both given 147.91. Um, but Guy just kind of lost it on the photo finish. Uh, but actually, neither got the qualifying time for the world indoors um, with that time. But what do yeah. you make of Guy? You know, he's always, we've talked about him in previous episodes, he's always the type of person that's, you know, really keen to talk himself up. He's never shy about talking about what he wants to achieve. But, you know, how dangerous is that, really talking himself up like that? Because basically, he's not done what he said he was going to do. You know, he was talking about potentially medals at the World Indoors and still a decent time, 147, but what did you make of him? Yeah, well, the thing is, knowing now, so he's come out now afterwards and said that he, he hadn't been well and he was kind of touch and go, he was going to race or not, which kind of makes sense, Um, sort of seeing, seeing that now. And I don't know, you know, we've, we spoke about it on the other podcast, it's, he 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 likes to do that because he says it holds him accountable. You know, it makes you know by saying that he's going to go and do something, it means he has to go and do it. And only he'll be able to sort of tell, you know, coming off the back of that, you know, whether whether that was the best thing for him to do. And I don't I I don't think he would say it wasn't the wise thing to do because I think he would just be like, well, that's what I do. I want to that's see what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and he's putting up, but he's putting a lot on the line for this Olympics. Um, you know, I, I was reading an article or an interview he'd done, and you know, he was like, "This is my last chance. I've never been to Olympic Games before. This is it. I've got to put it all on that." And it's a hard way to do things. You know, it's it, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to put on. And my kind of worry looking at that, I was actually at a panel discussion on on um, Monday night. Uh, part of the World Indoors stuff that they're doing. Um, one of the big partners for, for World Indoors is Sam H. And what they're doing is a lot about sort of mental health and well-being in the workplace, mental health and well-being in sport. Um, and one of my big things, my worry is, if you're putting everything on that and then it doesn't go the way you want it mm -hmm. to go, have you got a plan there to be like, if it doesn't go the way I want to go, am I going to be okay with that as well? And I think that's sometimes the way that... that, that that there'll be loads of athletes like Guy, they, they, 
they do things that way where they kind of put it all or nothing into this one shot and it's like yeah it's like it, it, you know that's the way you have to do to try and achieve that I think it's just really important that you know how to deal with it if it doesn't go your way as well you know and have that plan in there so yeah I think it'll just be a wait and see for Guy to see how he bounces back for this and how his summer goes and there was a few other Scots what did you make in Nicole Yergin <clears throat> She looked not all that impressive. She had kind of established herself as quite a regular in the GB team, but she looked less than impressive at the British indoors. What did you think of her? Yeah, definitely not the Nicole that we kind of um, we know. I mean, and, and Nicole's got a she's got a low fifty one best indoors. I think she, she did last year. Um, so you know she's far far faster and far far better than that sort of time showed. Um, yeah, she just didn't look to be in it to be honest you didn't it wasn't like sometimes you know obviously with tactics and in, in, in 400s when you're you know you're trying to make the break or you're, you're getting maybe get cut up and some things like that that can affect your performance or your times but she just didn't look to be in it from the start um i don't know if she's suffered um any injuries or any illnesses or even just maybe coming over uh, from the states has maybe just knocked her back a little bit um but i think she you know she would have been disappointed she's obviously targeted the indoor season she's probably wanted to have gone um, to the, the world indoors at, at least as a member of the really team but probably was hoping to be in that individual so she'll be a bit disappointed but again um, I imagine there's been some sort of issue there whether it's been an illness or an injury because that's that that just didn't look like the Nicole that that um that we've seen in the past and there were some other kind of pretty decent performances <clears> from the Scots <throat> Alison Bell seventh in the 60 in the 60 meters women's final mm -hmm. Adam Clayton seventh in the men's 60 meters and then the men's 1500, 1500 Kane Elliott 6th, Jack Patton 7th, <clears throat> and Corey Campbell ninth. And it's just kind of, you know, some of those athletes are quite young. You know, it's, I guess it's kind of good experience being in a British Champs final. You know, kind of whatever, like you say, some of the big, big names were missing from the um, <clears throat> British indoors. But it's never a bad thing for any of these young guys to, to just get a bit of experience in that bubble, is it? Yeah, I think it's great. And I think the fact that you had the likes of Laura and... and and Gemma there and people you know who've been to Olympics who are making sure they come and do their British champs I think the British champs is such an important thing um to do and I think part of that is because of the knock-on effect that it has on the younger athletes coming through I mean I'm at, I remember going to my very first British champs in 2007 and seeing Natasha Danvers pull up in her car and walk in and, and you know Natasha was she was really like a glamorous like she just like you know she really looked <laughs> apart and she had a presence about her and I remember seeing her and being absolutely like in awe of her and thinking oh my goodness like there's Natasha Danvers she's like incredible and she's here and I'm going to be racing her and then I actually won the I actually won the um the bronze in 2007 and she won the gold um, and Lee McConnell won the silver actually um and I stood in the podium with her and she was like the nicest parent she was hugging me and she's like oh how you like how was your race today I mean she was miles ahead of me it was like amazing just like to be first of all to see her and regardless of whether I'd gone on to to do well in that race or not I think just to be in you know see the top athletes there knowing that this oh, this is a big deal like this is the champs you know and um that was the the year they were obviously trying to qualify for the world champs in in Osaka I think it must have been um so yeah for me that was my first kind of step into that big that that big competition the best of britain and the indoors is okay it's, it's maybe a slightly smaller scale because not all the athletes do it but i think yeah if you see your top athletes there it's it's getting it's obviously streamed so you can watch it on the iPlayer. player so they're getting the chance to, to to be on 
you know, be on TV and doing that. Like, again, I remember the very first time I ran and you got your name on your, your bib and you were on the telly and it was like, oh my God, this is like huge, you know? Yeah, and so deal. these, yeah. they're all learning curves and they're all sort of your, your, the start of your journey to hopefully, you know, wherever that takes you. But like, you wanted to be a positive and, and, and great experience that, you know, you then go on and, and have success. So I think British Champs are really important. And for the younger athletes, it's just that, that, that you know, the, the, not the first step, but one of the steps in that journey, hopefully, to then making it on to have a, a senior career as well. And then off the back of the British Indoors, obviously the team for the World Indoors was a nice. So three Scots in it, 20, mm-hmm. 20 strong teams, so kind of relatively small. So three Scots in it, Lauren Muir, Gemma Kate and Josh Kerr. But before we get to them, the kind of most kind of obvious emissions from a Scottish point of view anyway are, I guess, Jake Whiteman and Neil Gourley. So Jake Whiteman kind of has like long said, he didn't really want to do an indoor season. You know, he's been over in Australia racing. He's been kind of, mm-hmm. obviously, I haven't had last season out completely. He's been just wanting to get back into racing. And he's actually been looking in pretty decent shape so far. But then Neil Gurley, I guess, is the more kind of disappointing omission because, you know, he had a wild card from winning the World Tour last year. And he had definitely targeted the World Indoors. But then because of injury, he's had to kind of put himself out of contention. So how disappointing is that for him, for Gurley, when... He had wanted to be in Glasgow and he'd wanted to run the world indoors. It's obviously kind of mucked up his plan quite a lot. When you know, and I guess if you're going to be injured in Olympic year, you want it to be sooner rather than later. But it's not ideal, is it? Yeah, I'm. I'm so gutted for Neil. Um, he put out a, a sort of video clip on um on Twitter on X, sorry, and um, it was oh, you could just see how upset he was and how gutted he was, like because he. So the last thing he competed, obviously the. the in Scotland was in the Europeans in 2019 and he had to pull out of the final because he would he'd, he'd taken ill and it was just like one of those really kind of bad luck um you know things that you can't control you can't do anything about it and then you know obviously last year he targeted the the world tour to make sure he won that to get that wild card so he didn't need to worry about qualifying uh, this season for the world indoors so he had it on his radar like I say well in advance um and yeah, I'm just I'm just really gutted for him. He kind of said that it's been really difficult for him, and he's he's really kind of turned to the, his support network and those around him. Um, and this is just the the crap side of sport, really. When you get those you know injuries and you get those niggles and you get them at the wrong time and you've really had your sights set on a championships and yeah, it's a home it's a home world indoor championships and the chances of another you know in terms of a home as in Scotland champs is is you know it might not happen again and for a long time probably not going to happen in in the sort of space of his career so he'll be looking at that and being just really really gutted um what I would you know say to him is just use this as fuel you know this will be a really significant moment probably in his career that he'll look back on and be like I was probably you know at one of my lowest then but actually it's how you how you move on from it how you learn from it how you um I always say to people if they if they think think like that you think back to Jessica Ennis in 2008, she couldn't go to the Olympics in Beijing uh, because of her Achilles. And she found out, I think, fairly late in the day. They did a documentary back then uh, on, on a few of the British athletes. And you actually saw her kind of going to the physio and being told, no, you won't be able to go to the Olympics. And, you know, she could foresee what was going to happen in the next four years, you know, to mm-hmm. where she was going to be. But that would have been a really, really tough time. Um, and this is, you know, it's it's maybe not the same scale, but it's the same. It's the same feelings. It's the same things that are going through your mind. It's the same upset and it's the same, you know, sadness. It's the same frustrations. So yeah, Neil's just got to make sure that he, you know, 
have a moment to feel sorry for yourself and and be mm-hmm. upset about it but then use that as fuel to then really kind of kick on and and make sure he's he's in that olympic squad because i've got neil Gurley on for the next world and olympic champion because of jake and josh they've set the trend so he might not do it he might not be the he might not be the next olympic champion but he's online to be the next world champion because we're keeping it we're keeping this tradition going so um so yeah so hopefully he'll bounce back and um yeah just really gutted for him to be honest it's a real shame and so you mentioned josh care he is competing in glasgow he is including mm. the team and you know he'd been really swithering about whether he was going to come to glasgow and you know it's obviously been a pretty late decision for him how much of a surprise, if at all, do you think it is that he has decided to come over to Glasgow? Because obviously he's based over in America. You know, it's much more of a commitment for him compared to, say, someone like Laura Muir, who lives 15 minutes away from, yeah. you know, from the Emirates. It's a pretty big commitment for Josh Kerr. You know, he obviously he said that, you know, the, the opportunity to win a major medal on home soil was just kind of too big an opportunity to give up. So what I mean, were you surprised by his decision to come over? Because obviously for him, the picture, the bigger picture, is very much the Olympics. After you did the article with him, and he said like, if I could guarantee that I could kind of get over there and and be unscathed and win and then come back to America, I would definitely do it. And when I heard that, I thought I probably won't do it. But I'm so like I'm so excited that yes, I mean that was a total like mic drop moment when he had his name there yeah. and then he put it on his um Instagram. He's like I'm coming home sort of thing, and I was like that is fantastic. This is like the this is like the sort of build up and and the excitement that we need. But again, I'd, like I say, I was surprised. I'm not really that surprised because this is a brilliant opportunity and. Mm-hmm. Josh strikes me as somebody who's making the most of these opportunities you know I think sometimes you know he's, he's always done that massive thing last year becoming world champion you could maybe be a bit more look at yourselves a bit being a bit more sort of fragile and being like well we can maybe pick and choose a bit more we're targeting like hide, hide away but, a wee bit. yeah 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 but no this is a fantastic opportunity it's an opportunity for him to go and compete at home and you know win a win a global medal again so yeah I think sometimes there'll be a lot of athletes that you'll talk to who you know always thought they had another year or another chance and they didn't take the opportunities when they had them because they always thought they had time on their hands and uh, yeah I think just to take those opportunities when you when you can is just I think is the best thing to do and also you know you can get a niggle in training you can pick up an illness anytime you know so yes ideally he would come across here he would compete he would you know there'd be no issues and um but you just sometimes can't live like that, you know, when you wrap yourself in cotton wool and, and there'll be a lot of athletes that want to do that this year in the build up to the Olympics. But yeah, take that opportunity. And again, what better way to go into a summer season if he, you know, goes there, has a fantastic performance. Um, and uh, yeah, and it'll just add more to this little Jakob and Josh Kerr battle that we've got going yeah. on, which I'm loving. <laughs> well, that's it. Josh Kerr's in great form because um, he's, he's made this decision off the back of running a two-mile world record at the Melrose Games. And yeah, I mean, I guess, like you say, like there's no better time to come into major home champs than off the back of running a world record. You know, his quotes were quite funny after running, after running that two mile record, because he was like, two miles is pretty far, you know, and he ran <laughs> two four minute miles, which is pretty mm-hmm. impressive. But I mean, that's with, with the three of them, Laura Muir, Josh um, Kerr and Gemma Riki. I mean, are we looking at three potential gold medals at the World Indoors? There's certainly no reason why that couldn't happen. No, there isn't, and that would be incredible. And the fact that we're even just saying that that that's that could be a very, very, very likely thing to happen, um, would be amazing. I think, you know, without wanting to put too much pressure on particularly Gemma, because like I say, Gemma, I think for Gemma just to be on the podium would be huge for her because she's not, um, 
she's not got her a, a global medal yet so so that would be amazing for her but again there's no reason why that first gold medal can't be gold I mean yeah like you say the fact we're even talking about three potential gold medals is pretty incredible but I mean how actually important are these world indoors of course they're important because it's a major global medal so that's always important it's always important because it's at home but actually in the kind of grand scheme of things building towards the Olympics how big a deal you know for example if any of these three don't run well in Glasgow how how big a deal is that um I think it's 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 all relative to be honest um because it all depends on how they the reasons for it if they don't run well you know so if it's a tactical error um we all we know they're all in shape so we know there's not going to be a fitness error if, if, if something goes wrong so I think if, if if they don't do what they hoped they were going to do it's going to be a tactical thing and the only thing that you can hope for in that sense is that they gives them a chance to learn from it to then you know don't make any mistakes come come the summer season so there's always there's always something to take from it um the the main probably the biggest issue if they don't perform well it'll be how they back, bounce back from it mentally you know in a case of like if that's if they've gone there with maybe real real expectations of doing something and they don't do that how do they bounce back from that sort of mentally because like you say we know physically they're all in shape so um but this is kind of what comes with sport do you know what I mean and and I always think even going into an Olympics you can be as physically and mentally prepared as you can that's my mum's dog sorry um <laughs> but if you're the Olympics is something extra so you need to almost be like doubly prepared you know and mentally to, to go and step into that arena so uh, yeah it'll be an interesting but again you know these guys Jake um Josh is an Olympic cha- uh, world champion Laura's a silver medalist at the Olympics Gemma was fourth at the last Olympics so these guys have got the experience uh, to to so I think regardless of what happens at the world indoors they'll be going into this year prepared and and, and ready to go and perform well, I mean, it's potentially most important for Gemma because, like you say, both Laura and Josh both have major championship medals kind of in their cabinet. Gemma still doesn't, you know, for all she's done and for all the kind of fast time she's run and for all the kind of great performances she's had, she still doesn't actually have a major championship medal. And so it would be, I think, probably quite handy for Gemma to be going to the Olympics having go over that hump, you know, not going to the Olympics, trying to go over that obstacle of winning her first major medal at an Olympic Games. So potentially for Gemma, it's maybe kind of holds the most sway how these worlds indoors go because if she can get on a on a podium for the first time, it just kind of is just another wee barrier out of the way for her that you know as much as she's for a good few years shown real potential about winning a world medal or a global medal, she's still not actually done it. So it would be quite <clears> a nice thing to kind of get that out of the way before she gets to Paris. Yeah, I think so, but I, I don't think Gemma's had it the same way. I think Laura had it a bit of a monkey on the back for a while where it was like when's that first medal going to come because you know she was she was fourth fifth sixth you know it was it was kind of getting to that stage where like you know when's when's when we're going to get that that first medal I think Gemma because she had I mean Gemma just kind of almost like burst onto the stage you know went to mm-hmm. went to Tokyo finished fourth like just looked like she'd been there all the time she was just you know a, a, a seasoned athlete that was you know always kind of there and there amongst it then she had that sort of dip you know the glandular fever obviously change of coach it's, it's been a hard kind of couple of years for her so I think just for her to actually just be in this position where we're talking about her winning her winning her first global medal potentially you know being uh going for the gold as well I think that's just we've just not got can't lose sight of that is how far she's kind of come on and where she is 
because going into outdoor season, she is in an event that is just so, so strong. There are, you know, in particular, there are three women who are fighting it out for those three medals as it stands. Um, so even just to kind of break into the, those top three and get in amongst that is a huge is a huge ask as well. So, yeah, I think, yes, it would be brilliant for her to get that first gold medal. Um, but I don't feel like it's that same kind of like I say, monkey on the back that Laura had for so long where you were just kind of like, when's it going to come? Because, you know, like I say, Gemma went to Olympics and she was fourth, but that was a fantastic achievement, you know, um, and she's now getting back to where she was back then. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be, a, it'll be a, hard, a hard task for her, but yeah, if she can get on that podium, it would just be fantastic. And we're going to start this week, a new wee feature. What have you been talking about off the track? What's kind of caught your eye in the athletics news in the last couple of weeks? Well, I think the big one is the little rivalry between Jakob Ingo-Brixton and Josh Kerr, which I am absolutely loving because I think it just adds (laughs) adds to the drama. Like, you're now going to be, like, watching them. And if I was Josh Kerr, I would be... If if people were asking me to go and like compete at races that Jakob's at, I'll be I would be up in my appearance fees. Like I feel like Jakob's yeah. doing Josh a massive favor here by making this like a a, a rivalry because it becomes like well okay if people want to see us compete against each other then we'll just you know up that little appearance fee there and and they'll probably benefit each other. So yeah, I think that's really exciting um, going into going into this year. The fact that um, what was what was the exact quote again? He was he could beat him blindfold. Oh, so obviously uh, Josh broke the two mile world record at the Melrose Games and um, Jack Jack Ingebrigtsen will really just started immediately started the trash talking saying that he could have beaten Josh Kerr blindfolded you know if he'd been in that race in that two mile race in New York and Runners World ran a cracking headline saying Jack Ingebrigtsen who lost to Josh Kerr without a blindfold say says he could beat him with a blindfold I mean it's really it's a really interesting kind of play from Ingebrigtsen and I've got to say I can't see how this is a smart move it's a really kind of interesting tactic from him to really come out so hard against people like Josh and I mean it's it's really Josh Kerr he's really going for it he's pretty Mm. disrespectful to everyone but it's really he's really kind of got in for Josh and pretty obvious they don't really like each other personally and yes I agree with you it is brilliant to watch there's nothing worse than athletes being all nicey nicey (laughs) friends with each other and yeah I'm loving it but I mean are you surprised how hard Ingebrigtsen is going with this trash talking because it's much more of a sprinter thing you don't often see middle distance runners doing this so kind of why do you think he's doing this? I don't know. Maybe he wants his appearance fees up as well. So maybe he's just like you know. Um, I think it might just be he might just feel like he's not he's not being respected. He might just be like out of everything he's done, um, previously, and then obviously Jake uh, winning uh the the world champs previous, and then Josh winning, and then everybody making this big massive deal of it. Maybe he's just thinking, well, hold on a minute here. Like, okay, I've I've you know, and he still went on to to. to uh, to win the 5k as well so maybe he's just like no look, put, put a little bit of more respect on my name please you know and but but it does strike me that there's more of a needle between him and Josh because there didn't seem to be that kind of there didn't seem to be any sort of real kind of rivalry between him and Jake in terms of like the the sort of mouthing off type things and maybe just because obviously Jake's not not been competing um and maybe because Josh is the second person the second Scott to to, mm-hmm. to beat him I don't know but um I'm here for it <laughs> oh good. me too like I'm all for it 
And mm-hmm. I would be all for every event having some kind of like rivalry and some kind of yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, as much as it's lovely how well Laura Muir and Faith kept going get on, yeah. and how much they obviously respect each other, there's no doubt it's a wee bit boring. It's a lot more interesting when, you know, there's really yeah. no love lost like there is between Angie Brits and Josh Kerr. And, yeah, like you say, like, it just had such an extra edge for the summer when, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be interesting to see how much they actually, like, face up against each other before they actually get to Paris. Yeah. Because, you know, Angie Britson, after talking about, you know, kind of doing all this talk, he kind of needs to beat Josh before they get to Paris or he's going to end up looking pretty stupid. So, yeah, it does. It just well, kind of I don't know. I think as long as he beats him at Paris, then it might be, you know, yeah. a lolly into a false insecurity in the, races, in the lead up to it. But then actually when it comes to the big one, because ultimately no one's going to remember what goes on until it comes yeah, to the Olympics. True. So whoever whoever gets it right at the Olympics, uh, that's the one that's that's going to have the uh, the bragging rights, really. Um, but uh, yeah, I just think it's I just think it's really interesting. I think it's I think there needs to be a balance there. I think it's that kind of we like the needle and we like the the competitiveness. We like the but there's also got you need to have that little bit of respect because then it becomes I think you'll lose that you'll lose a bit of your clout. I think I mean you look at the women. So you look at Shikari Richardson in the women's hundred meters. Obviously, like the, for the before last year there was a lot of like um a lot of mouthing a lot of talk and then you know there was there was that famous scene where where I think it was one of the last diamond leagues of the season this is before before she won the world champs and that was a couple of years ago where she was I think she was like eighth and then she's seen it she'd, she'd done all this talk beforehand and then she was eighth and you see the sort of Shelly Ann and uh, um walking past her sort of giving her a wee look because if the Jamaicans were just like all right okay you know and you sort of thought there was a real rivalry they are real kind of you know they don't like each other but then when you saw you saw her win the world championships last year I mean obviously I think she's really kind of evolved a little bit and grown I think since since all that trash talk but then when she won last year at the world champs it was great because you you were in the rivalry you were in it and you were like oh who's gonna win but actually when they all were quite respectful at the end to each other they all did the lap of honor together so you're like "Ah, I like the drama I like the the pantomime but actually you can see that these athletes have they respect each other as well, you know, um, and that's that's probably me coming from my athlete point of view as well. Is like you like the rivalry, but you also like the respect that you know they, they get they show each other. So whether we see that with uh, with those guys in the fifteen hundred meters, then uh, I won't hold my breath. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> and what caught my eye was um, World Athletics have kind of put this suggestion out there that in the long jump they're going to take away the takeoff board and they're mm. just going to have a takeoff area and so the jump will be measured from the point of takeoff and then to the point of landing so it takes away kind of any kind of having to hit the board or you know maybe potentially losing some centimeters because you're behind the board what do you think of it I mean first of all I don't like it I no. can't see how this is a good idea for the sport what do you make of it yeah my initial thinking was why why are you, why are you uh-huh. doing this why are you changing things up I actually um Jasmine Sawyer, I obviously follow her on Instagram, and, and she put a story up about sort of pros and cons. And it I thought, right, I've got, yeah, yeah I that that's like, she could only come up with two pros. Yeah, I've, I was like, I've got my opinion, but actually, this is somebody who is involved in the event. She's obviously uh, a long jumper, but she's current, she's performing there now. So, what does she think about it? So, I was quite open to see what she said about it. And yeah, I think the big thing for me, and, and Jasmine said this as well, is part of the long jump is the skill of hitting the board like that is part of the whole process it's not just about you know it's jumping as far as you can yes of course that's the that's the end goal but actually it's about your it's about your technique and your run up it's about you know how many steps you do it's about 
getting that momentum into the board and hitting the board right and then getting that takeoff right. So these are all the aspects of it. And you're kind of taking that skill set away. Um, and I just think, why, why are you meddling with these things? This is like, you know, you, you watch the, you watch the world champs, you watch the Olympic games, like athletics is one of the biggest sports and people love to watch athletics as it is. And I think all this try to change it, try and, I mean, what is the reason behind it? Are they trying to change it to make it more exciting? Because part of what's most exciting about the long jump is, is the no jumps when you're at that bit yeah. you're like oh my goodness they're they're on like two no jumps they've only got one jump left what are they going to do that adds to the drama I mean, that was that was the kind of theory behind it was oh it'll reduce the number or it'll take away the number of fouls and the number of jumps that just don't count but yeah, yeah. exactly like you say that's mm-hmm. part of the sport is not fouling and you know like if you mm-hmm. foul three times and you know you're out of competition with no distance kind of on you you know that's yeah. not the fault of the sport that's on you that you've done something wrong that you're yeah. either not able to handle the pressure to hit your takeoff properly yeah. or what yeah I, I don't think then changing the whole event is the answer no do you know what they should do to make it more exciting is just show the whole event just show everybody yeah. jumping because they're not showing up of it anyway so actually if they showed the whole story you know of from the start to finish of who's you know who's lying where because what they end up doing half the time is bringing it in late and you're like what did they jump before so actually if you want to make it more exciting just show the long jump event that would yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm sure long jumpers would agree with that but um yeah so well i mean that's you'll be you're just getting ready for world indoors next week you'll be in glasgow you take mm-hmm. your tv boys to watch i wonder what they'll make of athletics yeah well this will be the test to see how we get on so <laughs> the, the, the friday campbell will be at nursery so i might i might bring lewis with me on the friday but he's he'll i mean he's got less of an attention span i think i'll bring campbell on the saturday see how he goes on the saturday if he likes it then we'll bring him back on the sunday but it'll be morning session we won't <laughs> we won't bring him for the evening because i want to be able to concentrate and watch as well so uh, yeah, so exactly. yeah we'll see how they get on but it's pretty exciting there's some really really big names are kind of touted to be there the way david judisha who obviously was such a big name from glasgow 2014 and then you know there's sprinters christian coleman noah lyles a uh, pole vaulter duplantis who set a world record actually in glasgow a few years ago and femke ball who set a world record last weekend so it's going to be some really really kind of high quality athletes in glasgow mm-hmm. and it's you know it's sold out the emirates is sold out it's really just great for the sport to have this level of competition in the city isn't it yeah amazing and the fact that all the big you know a lot of the big names have, have put it in the, the plans because we weren't obviously sure being olympic year who would do it so yeah i mean it's going to be so exciting and like i say big names big scottish names um so yeah anybody that's got tickets is in for a real treat but again anybody watching on the telly it's all televised as well so it'll be yeah it'll be fantastic i mean it's just it's only three days so it's so quick and it's so condensed um and yeah i'm, I'm i mean i've not been to see like live athletics since i've I competed, so I am really excited to be able to go there and watch it all. I can't wait to, I wait, can't wait to watch it. And we will be back in a couple of weeks to talk about how those world indoors have gone. Hopefully, we will be celebrating at least a couple of Scottish medals. Yeah, definitely. Speak to you soon. Nice one. Catch you later.